Today I'm going to be talking about diving into RP as a player, setting the tone as a DM, and the great debate, rules as written versus rules as intended. This is Dungeon Man Dragon Master. It's the Dragon Master! So, no matter who's listening to this, you at least consider yourself to be a mildly mature person. So, the concept of playing pretend... Interesting. It's it's, it's kind of weird to think that like, oh, I'm going to go to my job as a software engineer and then I'm going to come home and pretend that I'm a orc with a big axe. Like eh, it can be a little weird to just jump right into role playing in this brand new role play kind of thing. Even if you're like experienced and you've played before, it can get a little embarrassing as a new player in a new group to dive right into role playing. You don't want to sound stupid. You don't want to go, blah, 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 and then everyone goes, dude, what was that, right? Like, it's hard, and you don't want to do something wrong. You don't want to be like, well, I think this, and everyone goes, wait, 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 no, no, dude, 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 we can't do that, right? Like, it can be kind of scary to do that, and I want to get into it because I feel like that is one of the biggest things that D&D has to offer, and we should just be allowed to do that. So first, just like, just throw caution to the wind, my man. TTRPG, tabletop role-playing game. What do those middle two letters stand for? Role-play. That's the point of the game. In fact, only one letter of, of all of that is game. Just go for it. It's, it's a part of the game. It's supposed to be a part of the game. And to be more than honest with you, we don't want to sound stupid. We don't want to do something wrong. But the first person who does it enables everyone else to get into it. If you start a conversation with a player, like another player, in character, they're going to do it back. And the more you have that conversation, the more they get comfortable with it. If you really want to have the role play element in your game, just start. Everyone will follow suit. They'll join in. Even if they turn back and like, oh, DM, can I blah, blah, blah? That's fine. When they turn back, you just get right back into character. You go for it. It's acting. Acting is a job that makes lots of money if you're really good at it. So there's, it's not really that, quote unquote, childish. If you really want to do it, go for it. But I'll give you some tips for it because obviously just, hey, go doesn't really work, right? So my biggest tip, and maybe this is just a me thing, I think it's very effective to use a voice. Are you a voice actor? You might not be. Do you know how to do a ton of voices? Probably not. But get used to your character for a second and give them a voice. It's simple and it's a little bit awkward at first, but it's so effective because immediately it's not you. If you were going to just play as you, then it would be really hard to role play because, well, you're not actually there. You're on your couch. And furthermore, you're not actually in danger and you are well aware of this. So just allowing yourself to use a voice to immediately tell everybody else, hey, guess what? It's not me anymore. I think that's an amazing idea. In my first campaign, I didn't do that. There wasn't a lot of role play. Um, in my second campaign, I did. Uh, I was I was Grokos, the dragonborn paladin warlock. And... Is this much different than my regular voice? Not really. I'm kind of just talking deeper, but with a little bit of gruff in there, I guess. That was enough. When I did that, people would say Grokos to me. They wouldn't call me Zach. They'd call me Grokos. That's way different. In my current campaign, very similarly, I don't really do a crazy voice. I just kind of get more gruff like this. My name's Zeral. I hail from the Shadowfell. 
is it ridiculously different than me? No, but it's different than me. People know I'm in character. So when I say, Morena, cover that exit. We don't know what's going to come out of here. Guess what? She immediately goes, okay, and goes and does that and doesn't have a big conversation about, well, Zach, do you think that's the right answer? Well, it's not Zach, it's Zeral. My players, I say my players, it's not my game, I'm playing in it, but the other players in the campaign, my team, they follow suit. Do they use voices? No, but they follow suit because they know that that's what time it is. If you, I know it's so silly, honestly, to say, oh, use a voice and it'll be better, but give it a shot one time, see what happens. Another one you can do if you're really looking to get in is introduce yourself. When you make your character, you've probably got some sort of a backstory developed for them. Tell some of it, but tell the characters in character. Don't tell the players. They're going to hear everything that happens anyway. Sit down in a tavern with your warlock and be like, yeah, you know, I uh, was raised on the streets. My parents went way before I remember. And as long as I remember, actually, my brother was the one that raised me. He was the one who first took up a sword against those guards that were, you know, just like tell the story a little bit. And maybe you don't have to tell them everything. Yeah, and I remember one time I killed a guy, and boy, I was really upset about that. Like, you don't have to tell the whole thing. What would your character want to say? Would they want their team to immediately know that one time they murdered somebody in cold blood? Maybe not. Would they want to know that they made their entire life by stealing? Maybe not. But maybe eventually. And that's just, you have things to talk about, right? I also think it's not a bad idea to kind of force the issue a little bit. You want to role play. If you want to do that, force it. Make it happen. There are always party members to role play with. If you are walking down a road, if you are traveling down a road and you've got all your your pack on your back and you're just walking to get to your next destination, come up with a random conversation. Literally, I mean, it's so easy to just go, hey, Suluin, that tree looks weird. Don't you think that tree looks weird? And you'd be like, looks like a tree to me. Well, yeah, but like, why is it like tilted funny? Like that's so, there, there you go. You're role playing. You're, you're starting the conversation. Is it a random conversation that won't affect anything else? Yes. Will it be something you remember for the rest of your life? That's actually quite possible. No joke. Sometimes the random conversations are the funniest ones that ever come up, especially if it's something that did take place in something. I remember one of my campaigns, um, there was a man who was actually a being who was about 300 years old who had been cheating the god of death by taking a potion that made him young again. He was a child. And in order to appease the god of death, one of my characters killed him. Was he actually a child? No, he was 300 years old. And was that the most moral thing to do? No, but it happened. And the weird thing about it is that everyone else saw her kill a kid. They all knew it wasn't a kid. But it looked like that. And so one night when they were keeping watch, my monk and my warlock had a conversation about it. And it was really funny because the monk doesn't RP very well. And so <laughs> he was like, I didn't expect it. You know, I usually expect things and I wasn't ready for it. It was unexpected. And that's, I mean, I have a recording of it. It's so, it's the funniest thing. And it was just because the two of them had a conversation that didn't need to be had. Sometimes you can just go for it. And that's the last thing I'll say. Practice, practice, practice. Keep finding reasons to role play with your team, to role play with an NPC. The DM would love it if it was with your team because then the DM has a second to look through their notes and do some things. Find a reason 
to be in character and do something. My buddy, he starts every turn by saying something, even if it's just, and I, and I swing with my hammer or whatever he uses. Oh, awesome. You're, that's great. You're in character. I would love it if everybody else followed suit. I guess the most important thing to remember is role-playing can be weird, but once you get into it, that's kind of the point of the game. And if you really want it, just go for it. I promise you, you'll find it. What do I mean by setting the tone, right? What, what does that even mean? It's a weird thing, but every campaign kind of has, you know, the emotion that you want built into it. Uh, for example, I think Strahd is horror-themed, uh, Lost Mine, and Dragon of Ice Spire Peak. It's a little more startery, and when you get to things like Dungeon of the Mad Mage, it might be more tactical, and when you get to things like, I don't know, a campaign that you might build for yourself, there's always something that you want the players to be feeling or doing. I think setting the tone is a really important thing to do considering we're imagining, and once that tone goes away, you're not really imagining anymore. You're just kind of sitting in the room hanging out with your friends. Nothing wrong with that, but I think we'll find keeping the tone, setting the tone, is a, is a bit more important. It keeps the party invested. In my current campaign, my DM allowed us, the players, to create some NPCs that we, like, knew that were in town. Nothing important, just people that we knew. And at one point in time, one of them died. When we came back and learned that she had died, everything changed. And that's because we kept the tone. It wasn't, oh yeah, she got bodied. And then we go, oh dang it, we lost our NPC, that sucks. No, it was real. We walked in, the tavern owner said, well, the uh, the dragon attacked and she didn't make it. Boom! We were all toast. I mean, I remember leaving that session kind of excited because I love that kind of thing. But I remember we all left that session just dour, just like, wow, I can't believe that happened. And we walked in the next week with such determination. We're going to kill this dragon and we are going to find a way to bring her back. It's, it was huge. We were invested. That's the kind of investment that you want in your games. And it helps the immersion, right? It's easy to be in character when everything around you is happening in terms of the setting of the campaign. If not, we're just kind of hanging out in a room and I'll tell you what actions I want to do and we'll see if I beat the guy after I swing three times. Now, before we get too far into what it means to set the tone and how to do it, here's a couple warnings. First of all, you don't want to be a dictator, honestly. If if you're trying to set the tone and they're all kind of making jokes and, and not really getting into it and there's not a lot of it, there's no need to be like, hey, guys, Come on, we're gonna. We're, this is a serious thing. Well, that's gonna. That's gonna suck. It's not fun when someone barks at you to be serious, especially when you're coming together to play a <clears throat> game. Just kind of chill out a little bit. It's fine. You know, a hundred percent of the session doesn't need to be quote in tone, right? You don't need to at all time. You know, you walk in, the session begins, lights go down, everyone has to be super serious the whole time. I mean, hey, as a DM, I even make jokes sometimes. My player says something kind of silly. I go, huh, yeah, I bet. And then we have a good laugh and then we get right back into it, right? Like it's not something that needs to be controlled. It's just something we should try and strive for. And here's the way I like to do it. Uh, first of all, you got to know what tone you want to set and DM it that way. So in my Halloween one shot, which has turned into like a two or three shot, and I'm sad about that, but it's fine. I wanted it to be kind of creepy. I wanted it to be a little, you know, you never know what's going to happen. So as I'm DMing things, I, I talk like this. And as you turn the corner, 
you see, and I've got dynamic lighting set up on Roll20, so it's amazing. You see just a, an empty room. It seems like a gallery. And as you look into the glass containers, you see body parts of, of creatures you've never seen before. And one of them goes, I want to see if I can figure out what any of these are. And I say, roll history, and they roll well. Yeah, you know, that is the right arm of a, I don't remember what I thought it was, something relatively innocent. But it makes them go, oh, God, okay, here we are. And honestly, if it sounds like it would help, try it. If there's a thing that you think will help set the mood, give it a shot. Music is something that a lot of DMs like to use. If they have like battle music, so you can really get into your battle. If you've got some kind of creepy something, they like to do that. Lighting is a big one as well. I, with the Halloween one shot, <clears throat> three shot, that I'm running, ran, running, oops, I turned off all the lights in the house. The only, the only light there was was from the screens that were showing things. And I turned the brightness down so that it wasn't making too much. If something comes up behind you, it might come up behind you. I also like to act out some things as the DM to some of my players. I accidentally scared one of my players. Didn't mean to, but not upset about it because it was kind of the point. A zombie didn't die from her hit. Zombies have a thing where they can kind of come back. It's called Undead Fortitude. Don't worry about it. But when he passed his check and revived himself with Undead Fortitude, I described how he sort of fell onto her rapier. And as soon as you saw the light leave his eyes, he just looked right up at you. And I know you can't see because I'm podcasting, but I just like quickly whipped my head up and looked at her with this weird, crazy face. And she went, ah! which is exactly what I want. It's a Halloween thing. We're supposed to be kind of scary. So mainly just kind of know what you want to set and go for it. You know, make, make your decisions along those lines. I wouldn't in a Halloween creepy thing say, oh, and this zombie comes in and he's dancing all funny and he's a silly guy and I wouldn't put a funny voiced demon, well, listen here if you want to, you know, like, no, don't need to do any of that. It, the point is it's supposed to set that tone and that's the tone that I want to set. And honestly, they've been pretty immersed and pretty invested, so I'm kind of excited about that. But here's the real deal. We're working with human beings and the weakest link in the chain is always humanity, so what happens when you lose the tone? Ugh. That's unfortunate. It happens. It's a thing that exists. People will, you know, ADD is very common. So people will lose track of what's going on. They'll get into different things. But here's what you do. I've got a couple of ideas for that. First of all, go with the flow and just readjust your way back. You don't have to cut things off mid-sentence. If someone's like making a silly comment about what an enemy looks like, you don't have to go, dip, 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 don't, 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 don't do that. We're, we're fighting a thing here. They, we don't need to do that. Just go with the flow. Be like, you're right. That is funny. Uh, yeah. See if you can't, for example, get the last word. Let them all have their conversation for a minute. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, my God. I totally agree with you. So anyway, this guy raises his claw, right? Like you can you just kind of allow it and come back, especially if you can come back in the tone that you want to set. Yes, that zombie does kind of look like a friend of ours. That's so weird. And as soon as you notice this. He looks right back at you, right? Like just that kind of thing. Maybe try coming back twice as much, right? Like if, if things aren't that creepy for a little bit and you want to set creepy, I'm thinking creepy because Halloween is the one that like I'm the, the creepy haunted house thing is kind of what I'm running right now. So that's where my head is. If you're trying to set creepy and they're all like laughing and joking, laugh and joke for a second. Ha ha. That's great. And then go. And immediately something grabs your leg and they go, oh, what? Yeah, and you too. They grabs your legs. You're like, ah, and you look down and there are two zombies. Their bottom halves have been cut off, but they're not dead. And like, like that's, okay, we're back. Oh, God, we're back. 
the the last one is try to avoid maybe honestly try to avoid what loses the tone right if you notice that every time a certain enemy shows up you lose the tone because there's some inside joke first of all i don't think that's a bad thing let them make their jokes we're all here to have fun we're all still friends but if it's getting to be too much maybe just avoid that enemy there's a different kind of enemy you can throw out now they don't really show up anymore there's there's so many NPC enemies in the game, you can find something else that fits that same mold. I guarantee it. And mainly what we need to remember is just this tone that we set is the same thing as all of those movie producers, all those movie directors, all those effects, you know, the camera guy, every, every film crew works really hard to set this tone. It's not easy. I think we're all well aware that if you watched the Avengers with the hamster dance in the background, wouldn't have been as epic. Okay, I am ready for DMs the world over to yell at me. <laughs> uh, let's get into the difference between rules as written and rules as intended. Let's kind of just start with the difference between the two. Uh, we'll, we'll define them real quick. So rules as written says if I read something in terms of a rule of D&D or the mechanics of a way that an ability or a spell works, what do the words on the page say? Does it say you take an action to do this one time? If that's the case, you take an action to do this one time. If it says you may do this once per turn, then you may do this once per turn. If it says that anybody may do this with your reaction, then you can take your reaction to do that for anybody. It's pretty standard. I mean, Wizards of the Coast has done this for a long time. They're very specific with their language. And so the concept of a rules as written thought process just kind of makes sense. Uh, there's not much debate with it. If you say to a player, well, it says once per turn you may this, that means that you can only do it one single time. And if you take it out of turns, it's every six seconds because a turn is six seconds, right? So that... What are we going to do about that? They can be like, well, doesn't it make sense that, look, I get it. I, I understand that it would make sense otherwise, but this is what the rule says, and we're going after the rules. That's rules as written. Rules as intended is to interpret why the ruling was written and kind of adjust and be like, well, I get that this is what it says, but think about it. The reason that it was made like this was to keep track of this and this, and we should expect that somebody with these skills should be able to be better at this. Uh, and there's a little bit of a room for, there's a little bit of room for debate there. Your players could be like, well, wouldn't it make sense that blur, blur, blur? And you say, well, that does make sense. And let's, let's talk about that. So that's just kind of a quick overview of the difference between rules as written and rules as intended. Now, <laughs> Let's talk about what the right answer is. And this is the one time that I will get divisive in this show. Because, look, I feel like D&D &D is a pretty no-holds-barred, very few rules kind of thing. If you want to do something, you do it. If something works better at your table, then you should give it a shot. You know, I, the, one of the first things I talked about was banning things to the table. I don't think it's a good idea, but if it works for your table, you do it, right? So, clearly... D&D is not something where there is a quote-unquote right answer all the time. That being said, the right answer is rules as written. <laughs> um, and I kind of say this as a joke because, again, if, if rules as intended is the way that your table wants to run it, then fine. But 
I feel as though I can objectively say rules as written is the correct way to do it. First of all, I said it before, uh, Wizards of the Coast works very hard on their wording. If you look at it, it's very meticulously worded. Look at this, look at Magic at the Gathering, right? The things that they do, they are very particular about their wording. We just need to trust that they've put that effort in. They didn't overlook something. You know, the, the Echo Knight is as powerful as it is because they wanted it to be like that. It can't do everything. You can't cast spells from the guy. But they have talked about all of it. And even something as confusing as the Echo Knight. You know, what is the Echo? How does it work? What does it apply to? What is it not? Well, if you read through them, you can figure all that out. The Echo counts as an object. Go look up object rules. You are still making the attack. It's just coming from the position of the Echo. Okay, well, if I'm still making the attack, then my modifiers matter. The echo is immune to statuses. Okay, well, that means that there are no conditions on it. it. It would fall prone here. No, it doesn't. It's the echo. It's not targeting me. It's targeting the echo, right? Like, it's very easy to work out how it works just by reading it. We don't have to try and come up with what wizard's intention was with the echo knight or with any of those rulings that we might wonder about. If you just read it, you'll be able to find all of those spots because they worked hard on that ruling. It also allows there to be a right answer in game without needing to use the I'm the DM card. I hate using that rule. Hey, I'm the DM, DM wins, right? If there's a debate in game, rules lawyers exist, we know they exist, and I don't hate rules lawyers. I love rules lawyers because I kind of am one, but not in the I want things to go my way, in the I want things to be fair way. And if someone is rules lawyering, you don't have to say, well, you know, I'm the DM, this is my call, I'm gonna call it this way. That sucks. I hate doing that because it doesn't seem fair. Even though we know it's fair, everyone knows whatever the DM says goes, it doesn't seem fair. If you do research into the rules and you go, this is how the rule works, I get it. And it doesn't happen in game. You go, DM, uh, what about this? And they go, oh, DM, I win. Well, that sucks. I built my character around this. So if we can all just focus on the same rule set, then we're going to have fewer debate about that. I think one of the big reasons that people like to rules as intended is in the concept that something isn't balanced. But isn't that okay? Isn't it okay if something's not balanced? Like, no one character is going to be able to go take on Tiamat by themselves. Maybe one deals more damage at a time. Okay. That's fine. That, they're the damage dealers. What does everybody else do? Just because you're not the guy who does one thing better than everybody else does not mean that you don't have abilities that make them better or that make you better or that make things easier. I will always say rangers suck, mostly as a joke. You know what they don't suck at? Traveling and exploring. And if your campaign is full of that, well, guess what? The ranger's going to be really good at it. The fighter might suck at it. He's going to have a whole lot more damage output than the ranger, and maybe that's okay. I think the real deal is this. Like, like does the DM always win? Technically, yes. The DM always wins. Whatever the DM wants to happen is what happens because they're running the game. And if you get into a big argument with your DM, either they're not a good DM or you're not a good player. One of those two things is true. Both of those things could be true technically. But here's the deal. If we like to throw around DM wins too much, the players might just not have as much fun at the table. And isn't that the point of D&D as a DM is to have fun at the table? My recommendation to players to DMs is read the rulings and figure things out that way. If something doesn't make sense, run it for a little bit before you say we need to change it. And think of what happens if you do change it. I mean, you got to remember, games like this and Magic the Gathering and League of Legends and anything 
competitively or even not competitively, you have to think about balance. So if you change something too quickly, well, what does that do to the balance of the game? If you decide, you know what, we're going to take out the ASIs every four levels and every level you get one ability point. That means at the end of the game, you've got 20 to work with. That's a little nuts considering that most of the time, uh, let's see, 4, 8, 12, 16, 19, you have 10. So you've just doubled that output. Is that okay? Does that break it more? Well, we don't know. The real deal is this. You run your game how you want to run it. If you're a rules-as-intended person, do it. If you're a rules-as-fun person, do it. Just kind of be gentle with it. But try to go rules-as-written. That's my recommendation. Thank you so much for listening. If you know anybody who you think might enjoy what I've got to say, send them my way, and I will see you next time on Dungeon Man Dragon Master. That was the Dragon Master.